So we're going squatching. We're going squatching, bitches. Welcome back! You made it. Thank you for joining us. I am Josh. They refer to me as Lennon. And this is Don't Touch My Sasquatch. Here we explore controversial topics with energy and a good laugh. We're two guys that have a love and passion for these topics. Topics that you may have heard of, but may not know the full story of. We're here to tell you those stories, share our opinions, and let you come to your own conclusions. We'll do the research so you don't have to. On today's episode, we discuss a well-known and disturbing government experiment. This is said to have taken place back in October of 1943. It was all brought to light when a series of letters were sent to a man named Morris Jessup, which were written by a man named Carlos Allende. What followed was a series of conspiracies and supposed government cover-ups that are still debated to this day. Was the government trying to make a ship invisible? And was a man killed for getting too close to the truth? Sit back, relax, put on that tinfoil hat as we dive into the Philadelphia Experiment. Very excited. I am too. So. Okay. So Philadelphia Len- Experiment. Yes, sir. So, Lennon, why don't you tell them a little history about this? Yeah, we're getting into Lennon's history corner. Here's 1943. The world is currently engaged in World War II. <laughs> Battles being fought on every front. (laughs) Uh, So on December 8th of 1941, the U.S. declares war on Japan. And shortly after, on December 11th, they declared it on Germany. Following Germany's declaration of war on the U.S. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, everybody's having war with everybody. Get fucked. Get fucked. So the Nazis uh, had gained a significant advantage on the Oceanic Front with the deployment of the German U-boat in World War I and in World War II. It was just as formidable. Those sneaky bitches. Yeah, the fucking U-boats were wild. After being banned from building them... Being banned from building them. Say that five times fast. (laughs) Right. After Uh, being banned from building them. Yep. Uh, It wasn't as hard as I thought. Uh, After being banned from building them, (laughs) after the First World War, you know, with the reparations and stuff, uh, Germany started making them again in 1935 with the whole rise of the Nazi party and the we aren't going to take it mentality. We're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Uh, The U-boat was the pride and joy of Germany's naval power. So the U-boats were used in the early stages of the war to cut off supply lines to the British Isles from the U.S. Siege. They, what? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> just, it's not a siege. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> siege is different. <laughs> oh, so they would cut off the weapons, troops, anything supply-related. Right. Supply lines. Um, so they would hunt. In a quote unquote wolf pack with multiple subs attacking the supply ships. Shh. Very, very quiet. We're hunting naval ships. <laughs> naval ships. <laughs> I, I couldn't do his accent. I mean, with that. some of them were just uh, 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 civilian merchant ships, too. There were a Fine. lot of them were. Shh. Very, very quiet. We're hunting Americans. <laughs> we're hunting civilian <laughs> merchant ships. <laughs> boat facts. <laughs> it's coming. The boat series. So the wolf pack mentality would be that the subs would troll in like a 
grid pattern right troll the northern atlantic and then uh when one of them spotted uh, got them uh, they would use their um uh communications that, that was an interesting sound like a fish they harnessed the power of aquaman to communicate with each other aquaman or yes. namor oh namor um okay so when they spotted a ship mm-hmm. and they would communicate to the other ones and then the ones in the surrounding area would swarm and they would take out the, the supply ships or whoever else. There was escorts and stuff like that, which we'll talk about. So the Germans also deployed during this time a new type of mine, one that would be triggered by the magnetic distortion of the metal in a ship's hull, unlike the typical spiked floating contact mine that you recognize from movie and TV. Yes. Finding Nemo. Yes. That's the one that always comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Always, because we talk about this all the time. <laughs> That's the one that currently comes to mind. <laughs> always. <laughs> it's part of our Finding Nemo segment. Exactly. Every episode. <laughs> so the countermeasures for these mines was a process called degaussing, which involved different methods of changing the polarity of the ship's hull to render it invisible to the mine. I'm giving that the chef's kiss, like degaussing. Degaussing. Oh, I said it. No, it's degaussing. Degaussing. See? I give it. Great job. Thank you. You're doing great work. Thanks. Great work. Now i got to go back to the middle of my sentence. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but these processes were time-consuming to degauss a ship. There's some different ways they did it by yeah. stretching in uh, in a zigzag pattern wires th- uh, across the ship's hull. Oh, gotcha. Ran current through it, and it would change the electromagnetism and the polarity of it. Oh, the polarity. Poli- uh. It changed the politics of the <laughs> ship. It's it not went from Republican to... <laughs> <laughs> it's not no. part of the Green Party. Uh, so, I? <laughs> make sure you use your cursor. I have been. The U.S. had figured out that all they needed to do was to intercept the German communications and decode the messages to find the locations of the U-boats, as well as adding radar to the aircrafts gave them the upper hand in their fight. Were, were the... Are they called code breakers? Is this where the uh, Enigma code and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, with uh, Alan Turing. Gotcha. Fascinating. The Intimidation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch is about that. I have never seen that movie. I'm pretty sure it's the Intimidation Game. I will have to check it out. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, everybody, but I'm not usually wrong about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the code breakers were the Navajo, though, weren't they? Well, sort of. Yeah. Am I thinking the same thing? So the Enigma code. The Germans had this code um, on the Enigma machine okay. and this code, like, this was super advanced code code technology. It's really cool. Watch the movie or read about it to find out how it's done. But they figured out that there's going to be a commonality in all of these codes. They're going to say Heil Hitler, if I remember correctly. Gotcha. And so they figured out that all they needed to do was catch that Heil Hitler in every, every one, every message, and then they'd be able to decode it. Gotcha. I'm, I'm, I'm 90% sure that's what it was. Interesting. But, yeah, it's pretty wild. So, that, well, it's fascinating. that was to decrypt check, it, yeah. Check the movie. Intimidation game. If I, I will, I will definitely. I got to look at that. As you're talking, I will look it up, and I will confirm. If you don't hear about it Roger. again, it's because I was right. <laughs> yeah, don't promise the people something unless not to viva. Viva. <laughs> We're not to viva here. <laughs> I turned into a baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and with the de <laughs> Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Cheers, Mike. But the story goes that in 1943, the U.S. was developing another experimental technology that would be an even greater advantage than the others. Enter Project Rainbow, also known as the Philadelphia Experiment. 
Woo! We're going to learn you about some more ship facts today. Ship facts about ships. <laughs> Truth facts about ship facts. <laughs> no, no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Wait, wait. <laughs> shit facts about ship facts. <laughs> They're a bunch of shit. All right. On July 25th of 1943, the newly commissioned USS Eldridge was launched. The new ship was a cannon. <laughs> I saluted. Uh, the new ship was a cannon class escort destroyer. This classification of ship specialized in anti-submarine warfare and was intended to escort ships across the Atlantic Ocean, traveling ahead of it, right. ahead of them, and escorting them. Escorting, yeah, as one does. Now, do this? Do these ships have um, boats? Yes. Thank you. But do they also have weapons on it? Uh, they sure do. Because an escort, I didn't know if it would. Uh... As I say later on, they have they are armed with a bunch of big fuck off guns. I like it. Thank you. I should have just waited, but it was a question. It's valid. All good. I it was answered. Valid. It. There we go. The ship was built and built and launched. I wrote. It was built, built and that. launched. It was built, built again and launched. <laughs> no, it was built and launched from the Federal Shipbuilding and Dry Dock Company in Newark, New Jersey. The ship had a length of three hundred and six foot. With a beam of 36 foot 10 inches, it was equipped with four diesel electric motors, which mm-hmm. gave it 6,000 shaft horsepower delivered Ooh. to its two screws that propelled the ship along at 21 knots. I only have 2,500 shaft horsepower. <laughs> you gotta boost those numbers, boy. This is some fucking rookie numbers. I have a question, though. It is armed with a bunch of fuck off guns. I said that. No, does it have a sounding rod? Oh, oh, God. That's disgusting. Don't look it up, people. Don't do it. Now my eye's twitching. You see that shit? <laughs> <laughs> Sounding right. Oh, God. That's some shit facts about shit facts. <laughs> well, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the story. That was a terrible German accent. <laughs> and I call myself part German. Fuck. We're going to talk about Morris. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Morris Ketchum Jessup. Now, who the hell's that, right? Well, he was born in 1900. We'll get to who the fuck he is. He joined. <laughs> you fucking hold on a minute. We'll get there. Yeah. Stay fucking patient. <laughs> it's the voices in my head asking too many questions. Calm down. Is Slow that? down. We'll get there. Hold on. <laughs> You're talking to yourself. Yes. <laughs> you should see me in my apartment. You know, what do you think? I think it's a pretty good idea. How about that entrance? I like the entrance. Let's go. Come on. All right. Back to... Go to sleep. Wake up. Edit more. Go to sleep. No, no, no. You got to do this. <laughs> so back to Morris Jessup. Yep. From here on out, to me, just called Jessup, all right? I don't like the name Morris. Fuck that. I'm already confused. He was born in 1900. He joined the Navy in 1918 and then entered the ROTC at the University of Michigan. Go Penn State. He received his Bachelor of Science in Astronomy in 1925 and a Master's of Science degree in 1926. Wonderful. Backstories. History. Love it. Let's get into what the fuck he has to do with this story. Well, in 1955, a series of letters were written and sent to Jessup by a man named Carlos Allende, also known as Carl M. Allen with the return address basically in the middle of fucking nowhere, Pennsylvania. Yeah. The initial letters... I was talking to myself again. Yeah. (laughs) The initial letters... You go, Josh. You did it. Pat my back. (laughs) 
give me oh. the. I slapped my ass. I was excited. Oh, by the way, it is the imitation game. It is that. I don't know if I said intimidation or imitation, but I think you said intimidation. But Im- imitation game. I like imitation. It. Game. I'm gonna check that out. Got it. Now back to this motherfucker. Yeah, Jessup. He got some letters. Mm-hmm. Return address in the middle of fucking nowhere. The initial letters warned Jessup not to investigate the limitations of UFOs, and he further claimed a scientist named Franklin Reno put those theories, put these theories into practice at a Philadelphia naval shipyard in October of 1943. You said he re- received the letters, and all I could think of was him opening a box, and there's a giant like A. He's like, "What in the fuck?" <laughs> B C. <laughs> E, what happened to D? <laughs> I'll give you the D. That's what your line was. Uh, talking again in my head. <laughs> oh, shut up. It's my turn. <laughs> All right. Allende, Allende. Said, Allende. Allende said he witnessed the experiment while serving aboard the SS Furoseth. I looked it up. Pronunciation. Andrew Furoseth. Furoseth. Oh, it up. I find myself. <laughs> he said a destroyer escort sounds familiar. Oh, <clears throat> could it be? Could be. Was successfully made invisible, but the ship inexplicably transported to Norfolk, Virginia. I don't know how he knew we went to Norfolk, Virginia. But whatever. Went to Norfolk, Virginia for several minutes and then reappeared back in the Philadelphia shipping yard. What the fuck? Right. But how did he know we went to Norfolk? Ah. Uh... From what I thought I read, wasn't he, the ship he was in, wasn't it in Norfolk? Mm, everything I got was he was in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. Oh, then I do not know then. Yeah. Well, Allende signed the letters, very disrespectfully yours, Carl M. Allen. Why does he refer to himself as Allende and then sign him Carl M. Allen? This guy's fucking whacked. <laughs> then, at, what's that? There's a lot of energy there. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> So, after his signature followed a bunch of letters and numbers, uh, just random letters and numbers, at least he thought so, these letters and numbers, when looked up in November, up in government records, turned out to be his old sailor ID number. That silly sailor. Well, he didn't just sneeze and lean on the keyboard. Right. <laughs> well, this was handwritten, wasn't it? Kidding. This showed that a man Did named... Give me time to react. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was talking to the guy in my head. This showed that a man named Carl Allen was working on the SS Furoseth. I am there. I am there. <laughs> docked in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard, shipyard in late summer of 1943. So, yeah. So, so yeah. Proof. <laughs> Proof. Again, I wasn't arguing. <laughs> <laughs> when Jessup wrote back requesting more information to corroborate, corroborate, <laughs> corroborate. You always do that with that I word. do. I, I hate corroborate. <laughs> I knew you were drinking. So. <laughs> All right. When Jessup wrote back requesting more information to corroborate his story, Allende referred Jessup to what seems to be a non-existent Philadelphia newspaper article that Allende claimed covered the incident. Still can't find it. Waiting. We're waiting. Earlier in 1955, Jessup released a book called The Case of the UFO. And then in early 1956, a copy of this book mysteriously showed up 
with annotations along the top, bottom, and margins of the pages in the U.S. Office of Naval Research, or the ONR. It was annotated by three different individuals, with only one of the, these individuals' names being revealed. Jemmy. 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 G-E-J-A-J. Oh, oh, what shit. the fuck just happened? <laughs> Too many voices talking. <laughs> <laughs> Malfunction. Malfunction. Jemmy. J-E-M-I. The other two were labeled as Mr. A and Mr. B. You, you look Colonel. like you got something on your mind. Mind. I think you need a Simba. <laughs> Simba Uh Colonel Mustard also was there. <laughs> I was going for a drink. I was going for a drink. Fuck the drink break. <clears throat> oh, Mrs. Peacock. <laughs> With the wrench in, in the bathroom. The kitchen. What is she? Wow, who's right on this one? <laughs> These, these, these a book. <laughs> this book was sent in a manila envelope with the words Happy Easter written on it. And it was sent to Admiral. Which was really weird because it was Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Easter. It's my birthday. These comments were written in three different inks. Yes. Colors. Three different ink colors. <laughs> <laughs> and with three different handwritings. They wrote. They were written in a conversational manner and referred to each other as gypsies. Hey, gypsy. Yo, gypsy. <laughs> you, you silly gypsy. <laughs> oh, gypsy, please. <laughs> uh, they seem to suggest having knowledge of UFOs, their method of propulsion, the origin and background of the beings operating these UFOs, as well as an understanding of physics. Mm. They also discussed their... Being two different types of beings living in outer space and talked about just the two. M- just two. That's remember, this is That's a it. fucking whack job, all right? <laughs> I mean, oh, spoiler. <clears throat> just two. Just two living in outer space. And he talked about the merits of many of the element many of the elements of Jessup's assumptions in the book. The book also included multiple oblique references to the Philadelphia experiment. <laughs> Like Napoleon, my hands are like... <laughs> Origins of storms, odd storms and clouds, Ooh. objects falling from the sky, oh. and many odd words that were used throughout the book, which might be of some value to uh, for later research. Flanky punk! <laughs> <laughs> what you say? Clicky punk. <laughs> you said in some odd words that were mentioned that might be value to research later. We're going to take it off. Clicky punk. Well, some of these words included mothership, oh. homeship, dead ship, great arc, great bombardment, great war, little men, force fields, deep freeze, measure markers, scout ships, gravity fields, Telepathy and MILFs. magnetic <laughs> magnetic net milfs. Local ones in your area. <laughs> Go find them right now. <laughs> so after Admiral Firth, God, that's such a weird name, isn't it? Firth. Sorry, Firth. sorry, sir. My bad. Apologies, everyone. <laughs> after Admiral Firth was finished. With, see, you can't either. It was, sounds like you're trying to talk after you just had like a numbing injection in your mouth. A Firth. Well. <laughs> Continue. God! After Admiral Firth was finished with the book, it then went into possession of Major Daryl Ritter. I salute you. After do f- who was, who was in, very interested in these uh, comments that were written in the margins. Uh-huh. 
He was aware of the government's interest in anti-gravity research and found the comments on undersea cities built by two extraterrestrial groups labeled the LMs and the SMs. Very interesting. LMs and SMs. It sounds like it's a, um, Dominatrix a cat- category of sex dungeon, you yeah. know? Fuck, I was trying to think of something <laughs> funny. I couldn't. Okay, fuck it. We're going to leave it. All the voices went quiet. <laughs> <laughs> there was crickets. <laughs> So after Major Ritter finished reading, and about 18 months after the book had arrived at the ONR, Major Ritter passed it along to two other officers, Commander George Hoover, he could suck, and Captain Sidney Sherby, which is a great name. This book is just getting passed around like a French whore. <laughs> or a two-cent whore. <laughs> so it's a French. <laughs> yeah, it's a two-cent whore. Exquisite <laughs> poker face, my poker face. Sorry. <laughs> After they were done reading the book and the comments within, they then invited Jessup. 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 <laughs> then invited Jessup to the ONR to discuss what was contained inside the book. Mm-hmm. Jessup began, began or became. Jessup became distressed after reading the comments as they referred to subjects that were. Different from his writings. Whoever wrote these comments had a firm understanding of current myths and uh, of UFOs and extra, extraterrestrials. As Jessup continued to read, he became... he No, he didn't come. He came across a comment. He came? <laughs> he came... <laughs> <laughs> that was a good comment. He came across a comment about a Navy experiment back in 1943. He also noticed that the handwriting resembled... That of the letters he received by or from Allende, he concluded, as have others, that it was from the same person using three different pen colors. Now, I've also seen where um, only Mr. A's handwriting matched that Allende, and the others didn't, but apples, oranges, peaches, pie, who will be the lucky guy? Hoover. It's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. It's the greatest piece of writing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he picked it. He said, uh, Mr. A, he's it. <clears throat> it's him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We're off our rocker. Hoover, the vacuum, later claimed that his duties as a special projects officer required him to investigate many publications. And he ultimately found nothing of uh, substance to the alleged invisible ex- experiment. He works for the government. Is he telling the truth? Is he lying? Does he not really know? Like, what do you think? Probably wasn't in the know. You're saying they keep it top secret, even from people that are... There's only certain people that are allowed to know that. He was a commander! Oh, I have no idea what that ranking is. I don't either. So we're going to move past Mr. Hoover. Because later, Jessup's book, with all the annotations, along with Allende's letters, were produced into mimeographed copies first a dozen and then eventually 127 copies these copies became known as the vero manuscript have you heard of those (sighs) can't say i have well neither have i in the following years jessup tried to publish more books on the subject of ufos but was unsuccessful the loss of his publisher and experiencing a succession of downturns in his personal life led him to take his own life in florida on april 30th 1959 
Or did he take his own life? Or did he? Well, let's talk about the the uh, circumstances in which he was suicided. found and all. He suicided. I like that. An attendant at an attendant in Matheson Park was doing his rounds and closing up the park for the night when he noticed Jessup's car. As he got closer, he noticed the vehicle had a hose that was attached to the tailpipe, running up into this into a slightly cracked back window with rags stuffed around it so that the, the created a seal and you know as one would when they're trying to kill themselves don't do it please always a reason to live that goes without saying absolutely <clears throat> back to your regular schedule humor when the attendant opened the door when the attendant opened the door, <laughs> wasn't i end day he's gone now when the attendant opened the door jessup was slumped over seconds from death and then he died shortly after. He looked him in the eyes and he said, I in there. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatically. I in there. Like in a movie. <laughs> CIA. I in there. <laughs> after. He's just in there blinking like 10 seconds later. I see you blinking still. You're still blinking, sir. I in there again. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the cops arrived, this is where it starts getting fun. Conveniently, a doctor was walking past and pronounced him dead at the scene. There was no need now to go to the hospital or to take his body to the hospital, so they sent it to the morgue. Mm. Just straight there, okay? Oh. Now, there are a couple other strange things, like the hose was wired onto the tailpipe and not just placed there, as, you know, one would when they're killing them, offering themselves. Not that you're believing. <laughs> Did somebody wire it in place so that Jessup wouldn't notice in an attempt to murder him? Mm? Mm. The handwriting on the note was never checked to confirm it was actually Jessup's handwriting. And allegedly no autopsy was ever conducted. Mm -hmm. Now, where was he going prior to being found? Well, after... (sighs) Speaking with Ayinde and having all the other stuff going on. You can't do that while I'm drinking. I, I didn't have time to respond. I wasn't going to do it until the, you drank. <laughs> the voices in my head were like, say this, say this, say this. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, They're going to think I'm crazy soon. I got I to gotta yeah, calm yeah, down yeah. with the voices. No, Shh. there's no real voices. Shut up, everyone. Shut up. Stop it. Okay. Your turn. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> so after having all the letters and with Allende and all the other stuff, um, he decided that he was going to um, uncover that the government had might accidentally discovered and learned how to use and harness UFO technology. Right. So he started compiling um, a list of documents. He was doing research and getting all these secret documents, pictures, all sorts of stuff, talking to people. Right. Um, so he's determined in his mission to bring this into the public, and he decided to present it to a Florida state senator. So he left his home in Florida, headed for D.C., but this is when he was found dead from exposure to carbon monoxide. Yes. He was found right off the highway in Dade County, Florida, like you had said. Which is weird, right off the highway. Is that, that must be close to the park then, as he was closing up. He never got out of Florida. And right. he was headed for Washington, D.C. Right, right, right. I'm saying he must have been close to the Matheson Park where the attendant oh. was closing up. Yeah, right off the highway. So okay, yeah. yeah. I don't know Florida <clears throat> that well. I don't either. So, 
He was on his way to D.C. to talk to a senator about this. He yes. had all of this information in his car with him. When they found his body, Real. none of the information was ever found again. None surprise, of it was surprise, motherfuckers. It was all gonzo. Guess why? Because he was going to be a whistleblower. Yeah. Well, you have to be on the inside originally to be a whistleblower. Well, shit. He's just going to be a truther. He was going to be a... He's going to wake up the sheeple. I fucking like it. <laughs> Don't be a sheep, people. Proceed. That was it. That's all I had. That was it. That was all I had on the death. <laughs> all right, well... <clears throat> well... His friend, Dr. Valentine, who he was supposed to have dinner with that... I think it was that night. He was on his way to have dinner with him. He was... Uh, he, he had a little knowledge of, of what Jessup supposedly knew and didn't know. And he said over the prior years, he claimed that Jessup met with the Navy officer, met with Navy officers mm -hmm. and scientists several times, and thought he could have been very well informed about the supposed experiment, Philadelphia experiment. Now, the question I would have to you is that why would the Navy divulge this information to a civilian? Like it's classified. Even a commander doesn't know about it. But a random civilian's gonna know about it? No. They're gonna talk to him. All right. This not, isn't this isn't Bigelow for not Christ's sakes. Likely. So he also explained that Jessup would say an electric field created in a coil induces a magnetic field at right angles to the first. This is an actual quote, so that sounds funny, because it is. <laughs> and each of these fields represent one plane of space. But since there are three planes of space, there must be a third field, perhaps a gravitational one. And by hooking up electromagnetic generators to produce a magnetic pulse, it might be possible to produce this third field through the principle of resonance. Yeah. Yeah. Science shit. Way over my head. I, I barely understood what that said. I think you had a little bit more of a knowledge because you're, you know... I understood the electrical exactly. aspect. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So before we actually get into the experiment, okay. I want to bring up... Okay. Before we get into the experiment... <laughs> I wasn't yelling. I'm getting excited. So before we actually get into the experiment... Yeah. I want to bring up that there's a theory that Einstein was involved <gasps> in said theory. Or said theory. Said conspiracy. Experiment. Thank you. You're welcome. All the above. Also Tesla. This was... Well, you can handle Tesla. I only have Albert. Einstein. We're on a first name basis. <laughs> Me and Alberta. We buddies. go way back. Yeah, he's actually one of the voices in my head. So on July 20th, <laughs> what started this uh, conspiracy, if you will, theory of Einstein being involved was mm. on the fact that on July 24th, 1943, Einstein had a meeting with naval officers in his study at Princeton, New Jersey, which was just about three months prior to the Philadelphia experiment. Jessup believed Einstein's theories were the key to UFO propulsion. Allende basically affirmed that not only was it the key, but research and experimentation of Einstein's mys mysterious mathematical concepts were already a reality. Einstein's unified field theory hypothesizes that a single set of equations might rule all the forces of the universe. If we learn what they are, we might be able to manipulate them. He never finished this, though. And Allende states that Einstein not only cracked it, but proved it 
1943 with the Philadelphia Experiment. Now, going into naval employment records, it was found that Einstein was hired as a scientist for the ONR from May May 31st, 1943 until June 30th, 1944. Einstein was a part-time consultant undertaking theoretical research on explosions and explosives. There's no indication that he was ever involved in any research in invisibility or transportation. Of course, we are talking about the government, and if he was involved in that, I'm pretty sure it's going to be kept under wraps, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, I'm going to throw it over to you, big guy. Oh, I caught it, and I'm running with it. Ha-ha, <laughs> football reference. Ha-ha, <laughs> 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 football. So, USS Eldridge. Yes. Shit facts about shit facts. I remember from back then. <laughs> I remember from back then. I was there. Um, Tracks. So how was it click for? <laughs> Your voices are coming out now. We look crazy. Oh god. So the USS Eldridge, which was a brand new spanking ship, as I discussed. Beautiful. It was selected to be the uh, uh, conduit for this new technology. Look at you using those fancy words. I like it. Yeah. You gotta be bricked up. Let's go. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so the newly acquired ship was said to be outfitted with specialized generators with Tesla coils that would utilize Einstein's unified field theory. So you take two of the brightest minds, their experiments, their theories, and you put them together. Mm-hmm. That's fucking amazing. I love it. Right? It's like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But yeah, seriously, though. With geniuses. And you throw, like, Elon into there? That would have been wild. Well, why can't Elon do it now, right? Well, you he got, could. You they just, they, I mean, we got time travel, so that's yeah. what I was saying. Absolutely. Hold on here. We're not there yet. <laughs> so, I don't even remember where I was after the Einstein's Unified Field Theory. Yes, Tesla and Einstein. The Einstein's Unified Field Theory was an attempt to merge the theory of general relativity with the theory of electromagnetism. Yeah. That's as far as I'm getting into it because it's very boring to non-physics majors. That would be me. I'm but a simple trainer. <laughs> Pokemon. No, I'm just kidding. I know. Pokemon. <laughs> so the goal of these new specialized generators, mm-hmm. generators, was to either render the ship completely invisible or yeah. to use teletransportation to teleport <laughs> the ship to another location. I thought you were going to say Teletubby. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to use Poe to transport this. <laughs> Bye, all. Oh, Lord. Poe. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember what color it was. I just remember Poe. Dum Dum. Wasn't that one of them? Tim Tim? I, I never watched it. I just remember Poe. Lala. Uh, tipsy. It, dude, that was your show. That was uh, that was your show. When I was like fucking 18, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was the Wiggles while climbing up a fire tower. <laughs> it's locking. Okay, all right. I'm just trying to get up this damn thing. Oof, off topic. <laughs> Always. Always, but that's the humor. Let's bring it back. You're the one who said Teletubbies first. <laughs> I thought you were going Teletubbies. The goal was to either render or talk about it. Using Tesla's brilliant machines and Einstein's genius, it is said that the device, said that the device mm-hmm. was built that unified all scientific principles to achieve the goal. Mm. The device was made up of some kind of combination of specialized generators and Tesla coils that would charge charge that would change the ship's electromagnetic and gravitational nature 
and in turn would succeed in rendering the ship invisible by bending rays of light around the ship. It's extremely fascinating, by the way. Yes. Could you imagine if we had that technology? What we do, but not us. Imagine if we did have the technology. Possibly. So the Eldridge sat in a dry dock in Philadelphia Naval Yard with the crew all on board and big brain science guys watching the ships from the sides. Experimental generators were fired up. Of course, they're always on the sides, not in trouble or harm's way. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As the generators spun to life, the ship began, became illuminated in a green glow. Then right before everyone's eyes, the ship vanished. It disappeared. Disappeared. As the cheers of success faded, the ship's generators were shut off by those on board, probably as quickly as possible as we're about to learn. As everyone would soon find out, things on board got a little bit funky. Got a little dicey on board. Most of the crew had serious reports of disorientation, with some even being described as insane while another man is said to have been found one deck right below where he was previously standing when it generators were turned on. Totally normal. Just Everything's like all right. Phased through. Nothing to see here. Keep it moving, Bill. Despite the setbacks of the crew members, who are expendable in the eyes of the bigwigs, another test was ordered to perfect the technology. Yeah. How'd that go? Um, slightly worse. <laughs> Slightly worse. How can it be worse than people phasing into the damn ship? Well, I'll tell you. Tell uh, me. The second test was done on October 28th of 1942. With new calculations being made, the ship again underwent the same process. The generators were turned on, the mysterious green glow, and then poof, gonzo. Peace. See you. See you. But the ship... Oh, I do say see you. But the ship didn't just disappear from sight. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? Oh, I, I do say see, you're right. I told you. <laughs> it just felt natural. But the ship didn't just disappear from sight, it disappeared completely. The ship is then reported to have been seen appearing in the green glow, out of a green glow, 300 miles away in Norfolk, Virginia, out of thin air. It floated for a time, with some reports saying that it appeared inside another ship that was docked there, then disappeared in the glow once again. Mm. Quake away. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. That would be a wild sight. If something, you just mind your own business one day and all of a sudden, poof, the fuck is that? Poof, where'd it go? In there. In there. <laughs> the ship was that. <laughs> <laughs> then. And down the up. It floated for some time. Mm-hmm. Like I said, some people thought it was, said it was floating inside of another boat. And then. It disappeared once again in the glow again. That was a good one. When it appeared again, it was back in Philadelphia dry dock, and it got powered down, mm-hmm. and shit got real in a hurry. Yeah, well, tell us about it. I will. But Do it now. Interrupted. The voices are getting <clears throat> are getting very impatient. When it appeared back in Philadelphia, it was powered down. Shit got real in a hurry. Everyone flooded the ship to hear the report of what had gone down. Few could answer. Their mm-hmm. screams were immediately heard. Some of the men, as before, were in a state of insanity, while in other more serious cases, the men were severely burned. With, like, radiation burns, chemical burn type. Burn right. Age. Right, right. Like the green mist. You know. Fucking shit. Those burnages. Oh, um, no big deal. Most notably, though, was the cases of the men who had become completely fused to the ship's hull. Nah, nothing to see here. Keep it moving. Their flesh and the cold metal became one in the same at an atomic level. Fucking weird. You know, in X-Men 3, The Last Stand, Kitty Pride, 
takes mm-hmm. Juggernaut through the floor. Like yes. that. Like that, everyone playing at home. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> um, some of the men were just completely gone entirely, never seen again. They were just gone. That's because they time traveled. Well, some of them might have. Some of them might have. <laughs> some of them might have. <laughs> some were gone entirely, never to be seen again, while others were missing parts of their body like they were cut off by an invisible door, like Cull Obsidian and Doctor Sh- and, and Avengers in... Infinity War. Yes, very good. Was that Wong or Doctor Strange that was what I was arguing in my head? Shit. I think it was Doctor Strange. It could have been Wong. Right. I'm going to go with your memory. That was why I was arguing myself. See, folks, I'm not the the only one. So the final test was a disaster. And the supposed Project Rainbow was finished. A massive cover-up would commence that involved getting rid of all records and evidence of the experiment, as well as even brainwashing some survivors, claims reported. Uh, the men who went insane were put into mental hospitals, and their families were told that they were MIA. And that even some who did not go insane were put into military mental hospitals for the rest of their days because they just wanted to bury this secret. They yeah. decided that... Who's going to believe someone in a mental hospital? Right. Yeah. They decided that this project was not the project to develop this technology into they needed way more work on it Mm -hmm. and they might have actually unlocked some new shit features (laughs) with these tests so they decided to take this underground if you will Mm -hmm. and uh decided to just leave the military fight to the military fight and not use this new secret technology maybe a little mind control could it be possibly so that was the couple instances of UFO. Nope. That was a couple instances. What? <laughs> oh, we took a left turn in Albuquerque. <laughs> so those were the couple tests of gotcha. the Philadelphia experiment. The USS Eldridge would go on to serve a, a naval courier. Not. Oh. Wait. What? Aftermath. Well, I want to I wanna hit I wanna, a question. I want to. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Um, one of the things, too, before we get off of the Eldridge, is that they say, oh, well, we checked the ship's logs. It was never involved in any military test. Like, c- come on, really? Oh, there's no way they could possibly doctor or get also, logs. That, and also, it was brand new. They didn't have a log yet. I mean, it's, it wasn't even, like, in, it was barely in the water. Right. So, yeah. That was the bottle breaking on her ass right there. Experiment! So yeah. my question, you said it returned or went to duty, right? Yeah. He did a duty. <laughs> it touched the box. <laughs> Screws. So <laughs> after the experiment, it went into um, active service, you said? Yeah. My question is, with bodies that were fused into the metal, mm. without replacing said metal, oh, that's a big how, point. how would nothing have been... I don't know, discovered. Right. Right? There were men who were cut to pieces out of the metal. But, like you said. But you said there were some fused as one. What if, I mean, maybe they were just like, this was a wall, but now we cut this guy out, and now it's a door. (laughs) I was like, we did it. What the fuck? There's a door right there. Hey, don't ask questions. We need two doors. (laughs) One in, one out. an emergency feature. Well, you know, got to have a mass exodus. Exodus, you got to have two big exits. So let's get into some aftermath of the experiment. 
some of Allende's claims. He claimed that the sailors that were on the deck and survived stopped experiencing time like a normal person would. Like the world was fast-forwarding, you know, and, and passing them by. Type yeah. Of deal. Yeah. Others started randomly turning invisible and claims that a couple of them raided a bar while invisible and that there is no record. Oh, sorry, not no. That there is a record in a newspaper. He loves to say there's records in newspapers, I guess. Uh, I'm still waiting to see this newspaper. Mm-hmm. One of them. Somewhere. Any of them. Any of them. And he claimed, uh, when he made the claims, I don't remember if it was the 95 or, or the book in 96. Either way, he, when he made the claims, he said all the sailors on board are now dead. That was a solid hit. <laughs> that was me. He would look so confused. Like, huh? Jeebus? <laughs> now, Something I want to point out. Yes. There are inland canals connecting Norfolk to Philadelphia. This allows for ships to travel between the two in a matter of a few hours. Is it unreasonable for this ship, quote-unquote, popping up? Yeah. Mysteriously mm-hmm. popping into existence. Could have been coming from a canal that they weren't paying attention to, and all of a sudden, boom, that's in the harbor. Where the fuck did this ship come from? I guess, yes. But it also depends on time. Right. Like how long? Right. Um, I didn't come across in my notes really any time frame for how long it was gone. Right. I mean, it says a few hours. I, I mean, t- travel wise, sorry. Oh, a few okay. hours of travel. It's still a bit like it's not like you're, well, there goes the ship. Where'd it go? Well, there's back again. You know, it's, it's some time, but. <laughs> and fire up the ship. Oh, it's backing out. It's sailing away. It's sailing away and it's gone. <laughs> it disappeared. <laughs> Where did it go? <laughs> that's the slow man. Now, there was apparently a second person that witnessed this Philadelphia experiment. Yeah. And this person, I know you have many notes on, and I want you to tell a story. His name is Al Balik. Alfred Balik. Oh, I'm sorry. Alfred. I'm not going into the whole elaborate story. Alfred Balik. Balik? This man. Mm-hmm. In the 70s, was watching the, or it was the 80s. He was watching the Philadelphia Experiment movie. Yes, sir. Uh, 1988. 88, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. 88. Yeah, because he's shortly after. So it's around 87, 88? Yes. So he was watching the Philadelphia Experiment movie. After he got done watching it, he felt an extreme, <laughs> felt a sense of deja vu, mm-hmm. like he was experiencing memories that he had long forgot. Right, right. He came to the uh, remembrance realization that he was part of the actual Philadelphia experiment. Oh, it just, I was a part of this experiment. It played, it played out. It's like when I watched Avengers and I was like, holy shit, I was there. I did I know. That. You were Tony Stark. I was the Hulk. Yeah. <sighs> we're not getting any press. What the fuck? <laughs> Call so, us. <laughs> National Choir. <laughs> awesome. So he came to the realization that he had repressed memories from actually participating in the Philadelphia Philadelphia experiment. <laughs> so from there, mm-hmm. he started talking about to the public. He was doing interviews, TV shows, radio stations, everything. He was doing the circuit. He was. He was doing the circuit. So he started making huge claims about his involvement in the Philadelphia experiment, as well as various other classified government projects that followed. Yeah. 
He said that him and his brother, who we will talk about his brother in depth on a future episode when we talk about one of the things I will get to, because his brother is a major player in that. So him and his brother were on the ship during the Philadelphia experiment. Right. One of the times that the ship had vanished, disappeared, the walls and everything went transparent, clear and see-through. Mm-hmm. And he said that they, the men were all screaming in pain. As it's, they would. Right. Yeah. So they decided, they were down in the engine room or something, I think. Gotcha. From what he said, he, they, a lot of stuff changes in this story. So him and his brother ran up to the deck, and they decided to jump off the boat. And they were going to swim somewhere for safety. Yeah. Well, they jump off, and in they fact, make it. they land in what he claims to be the year 2137. <laughs> Jumps ahead a hot minute there. It's a couple years. Just a bit. 2137? Yeah. That's like uh, 195, yeah, 4, four, three, two, one. Blast off! <laughs> so, Going to the moon, bitches. <laughs> no, really, we are. He claimed that in this... Yeah, Artemis. He claimed that um, in this future time, he was treated in a hospital for radiation burns mm-hmm. by a process of advanced medicine that healed through vibration and light. wonder if that's how uh, our boy Travis Bolton was healed on the UFO. Possibly. Possibly. Just thinking about that. Possibly. He claimed that geographical shifts had changed the Earth, changing coastlines... Fumble! ...of every continent. I apologize. What do he claim? <laughs> He claimed that both the U.S. and Canada were gone and that the U.S. or what was left of it was governed by a martial law type state. Mm -hmm. Now, he traveled again to the future again. There was a whole big storyline he had there. And then he also talked about how he traveled back to 1984, met with a doctor who would become his future boss during this other classified project. Holy shit, there's a web tangled in webs. Right. This all ends up becoming part of the Montauk Project conspiracy. That'll be a fun episode. <laughs> yeah. That'll be a fun episode to There's to cover. a lot of shit in there. Like, we thought Philadelphia was like, eh, this is really out there. Montauk's fucking really out there. But, but I, like, we'll, I like talking about out there, though. Yeah. So he claimed that uh, this Montauk project he worked on worked for, right. him and his brother were a big part of it, and uh, this doctor that would be their boss there sent them back in time to stop the Philadelphia experiment from ever happening. Long story short, they make their way back in time to the boat. They stop the experiment. Right. They go back in time again. He ends up going back in time to... Stop them from stopping the stopping and the stop, stop, stop. Right. Jesus. He ended up going back in time. His brother... His brother's body died, and they were able to put his yeah his consciousness into another kid's body of their family or something. It wasn't like a nineteen twenty seven kid that was born or something. Right, it it gets real wild. But that all we'll kind of touch more on in depth during the Montauk when we end up getting there. But basically, Al Bielik was uh, claimed to have a major part in that. Right, in in the uh, Philadelphia experiment. Gotcha. Now, lots of people think him and his brother's claims are bullshit. I would be one of those people. Yeah, there's a lot of shit there. Like, he remembered it after he watched the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. Now, I guess if you have a repressed memory and something happens that is similar to said... Repressed memory. Repressed memory. I guess that could trigger the memory into coming into your 
forefront of your mind. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Me either. Neither are you. Nor am I. That he, he put down his fidget toy, ladies and gentlemen. It sounded like a gosh darn earthquake. <laughs> Coming from the guy who's dropped his and sounds like a gosh darn meteorite fell. So the question I have to kind of wrap up this whole thing is, why did the Navy take so much interest in the annotated book from uh, Jessup? Mm-hmm. Uh, did they know more than they let on? You know, I mean, we all know there's projects like Manhattan Project, for example. Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book. Um, Project Paperclip, which was really fun. Majestic 12. All these things that are, are kept secret from many, many people, including people in high-ranked people in the government. Yes. Maybe there is some truth to the stories of, of Jessup and Balik and all that. And maybe there isn't. We will never know because maybe they, they, they all take it to their grave. Mm-hmm. Like the actual truth, like what happened. Conspiracies don't just manifest themselves out of nowhere. Sometimes there are some truth to what these conspiracies are saying, mm-hmm. even if they are exaggerated. Or are they exaggerated? We don't know, and we never will know because the government likes to keep that a secret. Right. So we'll never find out. Never find out. But it's fun to talk about. It's fun to explore. And it's fun to come up with your own theories and, and thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. But in this case, I personally believe it was not real. I don't think it happened. I don't think the Philadelphia experiment happened. I think it was just... Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Allende just kind of... I don't want to say he was a quack, but he was a fucking loony. <laughs> and Yeah. And... uh yeah, that's my theory. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Mine? Yeah, yours. Uh, no, I, uh, Bill, right there. How no, about Little I, Squatch? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm not sure. I don't think it happened either. You're, There's a lot of... Uh, you say you're not sure or you're... No, I don't think it happened. Oh, okay, so I, I misheard no. you. My fault. Uh, no, I said that wrong. Uh, no, I don't think it happened. Gotcha. Um, which is, like you said, a lot of uh, quacks in this. <laughs> I mean... I mean, th- then again... It's one thing if we have, like... I think Allende was a fucking quack. Right. I mean, we have no proof other mm-hmm. than word of mouth. Of and course. that's the biggest problem. Yeah. I you mean, know, if we, we've seen the ship, yeah, but it's not like we've seen a picture of somebody fused to it or something like that. Which, exactly. You know, so... I, that, that is why I brought up the whole earlier, like, if there was fuse, people fused to the, the metal, mm-hmm. wouldn't that have somehow... Right. Yeah. But... Still a wild story. Yeah. (laughs) So interesting. And you make your own decisions on what you think. Mm Mm-hmm. But. But that is the Philadelphia experiment. Voices in the head were clapping for you. They were all clapping. So ladies and gentlemen and Squatches, thank you all for listening to this week's episode. Join us in the discussion by sharing your thoughts or theories on our socials on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Links are in the show notes below. If you enjoy what we do here at Don't Touch My Sasquatch and you would like to support us, join our Patreon to get bi-weekly bonus shows, discounts on merch, and direct contact with us to keep the conversation going. Hit the subscribe button for auto-downloads to listen first thing every Monday morning and drop us a five-star rating. This helps us to grow and bring you more content for you to enjoy. Join us next Monday for our next stellar episode. Write us, rate us, review us, and remember... Stay curious, be vigilant, and don't touch my Sasquatch. Don't do it. He has rabies today. Peace. See you.
We back in this bitch for another Lennon's History Corner. Why don't you hit him with some history? Well, the year is 1943. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> the year was 1943. Okay, okay Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Get kicked in the head, <clears throat> eyes go cross, fall down a well, they go back. I don't know. Crap down my throat. <laughs> Too much to unpack there. I'm trying to get this dick out of my throat. <laughs> yes, you I think? No, where'd you think? Oh! I, you're right. I don't... <laughs> no wonder my hands are going wild. Where'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> it's time for shit facts, bitches. I've never yelled like that like you do. Why does this written like this? Oh, <laughs> your, your seat's even sad. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Those letters and numbers, though, when looked up... up up and up and up. <laughs> Too many ups there. Sorry. Oh, I thought you were going to do something. <laughs> <laughs> ha! Rabbit out of the hat. Of many of the elements of Jessup's assumptions in the book. Yeah, uh, where'd my fucking notes go? I just need to go disc golfing. Sorry. Fuck up. Kidding. <laughs> we're on a time crunch now. <laughs> There's a motorcycle game going by. Right. Ooh, we're playing footsie. <laughs> you rang. <laughs> Sorry, how unprofessional of me. 